the Dr. Aaron Chapa with the Living Well Clinical Nutrition Center in studio based out of beautiful League City, Texas. We're going to be sharing some positivity and how you can heal your body without the use of drugs and surgery, taking a natural approach that um, is kind of easy to do, but it's sometimes difficult to get started. right? Sometimes. That's right. It's simple but not easy. Yes. But, dude, I I just like... It is exciting to be on the radio and to be able to share health and wellness with people. People, you know, it's a very popular subject these days. You know, people are becoming more and more aware. But then again, even though we are becoming more and more aware, we're starting to become more and more, um, well, I know what I should do, but I just don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. Right. And so. It's one thing to know what to do. It's another thing to do what you know you need to do and consistently over time stick with that plan. Because, you know, at all points in time with marketing today, we are being sold uh, something. And the food industry is definitely in the marketing business trying to get you to buy something at eye level something that's you know tickles the kids eyes uh, in order for them to grab hold of it and typically it's loaded with processed ingredients fake ingredients make believe ingredients and i like to say that if you eat make believe food the best you'll ever have is make believe health and we want to teach people that you know it's consistency over time that helps you live better stay better and get better results with your energy, your mental clarity, your creativity in every area of your life, in every aspect of your life, whether you're in business for yourself or working for the, uh, a big company or, or if you're uh, doing some freelance work, if you're in a startup situation, if you're in an expansion situation, there's at all points we need good health in order to maximize those those uh, environmental arenas. It's like, you know, you wouldn't go into a sparring realm without training a little bit and getting some knowledge, basic knowledge. And you're very familiar with that in, in, in your training with uh, martial arts is it's, you're not going to just walk out on the floor day one and think that you got that. Some people do. And then you learn really quick, Hey, (laughs) I need to, I need to train. I need to know something, right? Yeah. And then every time you put yourself back in that environment, every time you go back in the competition ring, you get a little better, a little better, a little better, but still realize the more, you know, the more you don't know. The more you don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, and so it's easy to uh, to talk, you know, out, out what it is to live healthy and be healthy. It's another thing to actually live it out and to choose wisely more often than you don't. And and so I've, I've you know, I'm thinking it's kind of spring in the air. I'm, I'm thinking of fertility. I'm thinking of uh, pregnancy. I'm thinking of my, you know, passion and heart for, uh, you know, helping little kids grow and develop and healthy moms that are carrying babies to you know, have the best pregnancy experience ever. Um, you know, preconception, conception, and post-conception in the uh, lactation development stage. And, and so I get excited about, you know, where we can take health into different arenas, you know. And, and so I thought maybe we'd go down the spring trail of, you know, pregnancy and, and talk a little bit about basic, basic things uh, to prepare the body for healthy, you know, conception or healthy development while in the pregnancy stage or you know preventing the postpartum or uh, you know making sure that we recognize the basics um, of of digestion in this game of you know 
developing yourself and developing another human. Mm-hmm. And so at Living Well Clinical Nutrition Center, we're always out to give the most up-to-date health information available, and we just want you to know that we are on your team. We want to be your number one health, health and wellness resource. We want to teach you how to integrate this stuff into your day-to-day, even when there's parties, even when it's summertime, even when it's beach time, even when the opportunity is going to arise here in the near future to eat the junk food or get into the junk, uh, the processed food that is ultimately going to destroy your health. And so when we talk about uh, pregnancy, we want to first just talk about what, um, where does, I think, good pregnancy's foundation begin? And it starts in the gut. Digestion, digestion, digestion. I mean, the square footage of a tennis court, they say that your digestive surface area is. And what you put in there determines brain development. It determines whether you live in an inflammatory state or an infl- uh, a non-inflammatory state. It determines if you have leaky gut or a non-leaky perforated gut. It determines your nutritional delivery system uh, and how well you get nutrients through that gut barrier into the blood so that it can be delivered to tissues for redevelopment, for detoxification. The, the, the digestive experience is a huge part of digestion uh, or of pregnancy and so we want to make sure that people that are looking to get pregnant are not being deceived that they can eat just anything they want because they can't because if you eat make-believe food the best you'll ever have is make-believe health make-believe health and or um, you know the idea of of a family expansion and and so when we look at pregnancy we look at digestion what are you eating for breakfast What are you eating for lunch? What are you eating for dinner? The average American is consuming uh, 6 to 11 servings of grain every day, bread, rice, cereal, pastas, and and they don't even realize that that's the same food packaged up into a different form, but it's still at its fundamental roots. It's it's, it's carbohydrates converting into sugar, which sugar drives up insulin in our blood that causes us to have more cravings, that causes our hormones to be on the, uh, the blood sugar roller coaster. Um, and this is the first step in not getting pregnant. This is the first step in not having an exceptional pregnancy experience. This is the first step in not allowing the postpartum um, issues to arise. I mean, you're going to find yourself in a situation that you don't like if you're over-consuming these grains at the mass, you know, onslaught that we're consuming them. And so I always want pay people to start by just evaluating their diet. You know, what is it that you're eating for breakfast? The average American today eats what for breakfast? Gardy, you think? I'm going to say some delicious sugary cereal, maybe a donut. Very good. If it's so a far. Sunday. Yeah, if it's a Sunday. And yeah. I mean, and a few, what kind of sugary drink might they have? Let's see. Um, maybe some chocolate milk. Yeah. I know for, for kids, like growing up, that's what I drink a lot, chocolate milk. Maybe, yeah, some orange juice sounds good. Apple juice. Yep. So, um, and, and then you, so you just pretty much nailed it i mean it's a sugary cereal a sugary pastry a sugary donut and then all of a sudden we find ourselves drinking uh sugar right out of a liquid uh container called 
you know, orange juice, apple juice, and or, you know, milk, uh, pasteurized milk. And so these now become very inflammatory. And, and so we start to see that the gut lining um, begins to erode. And, and that erosion began, begins in, in our youth. And so if you're going to have kids, you, we want to teach you how to feed those children right. And first, we've got to teach you how to feed yourself right. And you need to recognize how powerful digestion can be for you in your long-term health. And they, there's 3 million more neurotransmitters in your digestive tract than there is in your brain. So we talked about what the average American probably consumes for breakfast. What do they typically consume for lunch? I would say maybe some pasta. Sounds good. Maybe go to the, the Olive Garden right down the street and have some uh, pasta, some breadsticks. Some soup. I, I mean, sounds good. I mean, I mean, it's funny, right? Like, because to me, that's like, do people really do that? Yes, the answer is yes, Doctor Trava. They okay. real people do this. So, and and I see it too, right? People bring me food logs, and we look at their food logs, and as a team at, at our office, we sit back and go, "Wow, we've got some work to do," you know? Because I guess it's convenient, it's easy, it's filling. And I had a patient, you know, tell me they got real sleepy Sunday afternoon and they couldn't figure out why. And then yesterday they, they go, oh, it dawned on me. I figured out it's not in my nature to get sleepy during the day, especially to take an hour and a half nap on a Sunday afternoon, although that does sound refreshing and probably was and could have been refreshing. But what could have sparked it? And, and, and I said to myself, well, it had to be something that they ate. And they go, bingo. I had a, you know, club sandwich at, at a restaurant, and I literally went home and crashed uh, for an hour and a half. And I said to myself, hmm, amazing. So when you can eat a sandwich, which is basically lots of bread um, and, uh, and whatever, meats or fats or, you know, cheeses that might have been in there, that's a different, you know, conversation. But it's the carbohydrate that caused the sugar to rise, caused the insulin to rise, that caused the drop in blood sugar, because that's what insulin does. It pulls blood sugar out of the, the uh, it pulls sugar out of the bloodstream and pushes it into the cells, but it pushes it oftentimes too low. And when we are either reactively hypoglycemic or we have hypoglycemia or we are on the verge of, you know, uh, blood sugar crashes up and down, when we eat a bite of carbohydrate or a mini bite of, you know, carbohydrates in the form of breads, rice, cereals, pastas, we start to see the afternoon crash. People oftentimes associate it around Thanksgiving or Christmas that the turkey is causing them to feel sleepy. Well, I would beg to differ. Um, it's not the turkey. Rather, it's the carbohydrates because everybody eats so many different types of pastries uh, or breads or carbs around that Thanksgiving meal. And and so we, we've got to be mindful of the what the gut can handle in the form of of uh, carbohydrates or or sugar converting foods in in our digestion, and so when we're looking at uh, you know trying to get these patients to recognize that their breakfast and their lunch matter, what do they typically you know reach for for dinner? For dinner, um, maybe some more pasta. I don't know. Maybe have some steak and potatoes. <laughs> Probably more of a, a meat and potato. Yeah. You know, I'd probably go there. Uh, is probably the average. You know, we maybe they make the uh, fried. You know, uh, 
warmed up oven chicken fried chicken, uh, fried chicken or maybe some chicken nuggets for the kiddos mm. and uh, they get them you know a dollop of uh, you know of white potato um, or macaroni and cheese some other like it's a meat but it's fried and then it's starches as the sides mm-hmm. and again we if you look at the uh, the human I've heard it said one time that we have like a, a point system of carbohydrates that we can you know burn or use in a, in a lifetime and most people burn their carbohydrate point system up before they're 30 and and I think that's why people oftentimes feel 30 they go oh I was when I was 29 I was great right yeah. but at 30 life changed and I'm like how does a day change a person it doesn't but it does indicate that the body is indeed wearing out the body is you know deteriorating and and in some respects accelerating um, on that aging process and and at 30 years old that is like where most people are starting families you know what I mean right and so not a good time to run your you know your macro carb points uh, out uh, for life expansion, for family expansion. And so we, we got to look at digestion. So when we talk to people about digestion, we look at inflammatory foods. Inflammatory foods are going to be wheat, barley, rye, uh, all oats can even be in that category. They're going to be in the refined flours, uh, the enriched flours. If you see those words on the label, you're eating processed food, and these are inflammatory to the digestive tract. If you're a, a, you know, a, a, a beer drinker, there's gluten and, and wheat in that. Um, that can I've seen patients say to me, I, have, I got a stomach ache every time I, I drink beer, and I'm like, well, why are you drinking the beer right now? And they say, because I'm Thirsty. Thirsty. Yeah. You know, to keep it real. And I'm like, but you just told me it gives you belly pain. Right. And and it's just like they're not up against their precipice yet uh, where they have to change. The goal, guys, is not to ever be in a backed into a corner. I mean, you ever put a cat in a corner and they want to, like, you know, claw their way out. Um, and, and, and so we, we look at the modern American diet and we recognize inflammation. The second inflammatory food, dairy products, milk you know, cheese, yogurt, sour cream, ice cream, creamy dressings, cream in your coffee. These are things that create stress in the digestive tract. And those things create a sympathetic push. Sympathetic meaning overdrive. Uh, sympathetic meaning overstressed. And, and excessive amounts of cortisol, which continues to push blood sugar up, which then causes insulin to pump up, which then causes blood sugar to crash. And then you get cravings. And then you, you, you're pushing this... Uh, spi- the spiraling cycle to have a blood fluctu- blood sugar fluctuation day in and day out. That is, in and of itself, the dietary effect of inflammatory foods or overindulgence in carbs or processed food or fake food that creates one major component of why people can't get pregnant, people get pregnant and can't maintain a pregnancy, or once they are pregnant, they have just a trouble themselves Bad post, you know, uh, you know, first trimester, challenging second trimester, um, you know, relentless excessive weight gain into the third trimester, gestational diabetes, uh, all through, you know, uh, early bed rest. These are all things that we can prevent if we are monitoring these inflammatory uh, foods as well as monitoring these blood sugar fluctuations and spikes. 
And so we, then we look at soy, we look at corn, we look at the top four most inflammatory foods, wheat, dairy, corn, and soy. And if we can manage those inflammatory foods and keep that burden off the mom uh, and or the woman that is trying to get pregnant, all of a sudden we increase our likelihood of balancing out brain chemistry because there's three million more neurotransmitters in your digestive tract than there is in your brain. So the healthier the digestive tract, it would make good sense that you would have a healthier what? Brain. Brain or nervous system. And therefore, better brain, better communication downstream. Better brain, better communication downstream, better response into the cells. The cells then communicate messages back up to the brain through feedback. And there's this constant uh, uh, this constant work towards a healthy vibrancy that when you have a healthy vibrancy, we start looking at... Um, uh, the result of growth or development or expansion. And so when we, we look at pregnancy, we've got to talk first diet. We've got to talk about hydration. Are you drinking enough water? Are you running around dehydrated, drinking the wrong stuff that dehydrates your body? And if you're good putting in you know, uh, sugary foods or, or sugary drinks, or if you're putting in st tons and tons of stimulants that are depleting your body and not taking the time to remineralize and, re and, and to uh, balance out uh, what hydration levels you need, then you're creating another layer of sympathetic stress or increased stress or prolonged stress. When the body is stressed, everything when it comes to conception, holding a child and or delivering a healthy child is all about you know, keeping the stress burden down biochemically, neuroemotionally, physically, and we want to make sure that, you know, we, when we're talking about hydration, that we're not overheating and getting a stress response there or demineralizing ourselves um, due to the wrong substances coming on our body that deplete our body of key healthy nutrients. And so what should we eat probably for breakfast? Any ideas? Oh, yeah, I know. What is it? Only because we've talked about this before. Let's do it. About breakfast. You know, it's always good to start with something, maybe some healthy fats, some bacon, some eggs. Mm. So mm -hmm. it's very interesting when we talk about digestion and pregnancy that we, uh, there's some cultures that would, put, if they couldn't get pregnant, they'd go on a bare fat only diet. Hmm. Now, I've never eaten bare fat per se. So I think it's interesting, you know, but some of these remote villages, maybe they have access to um, bear fat that we don't. I uh, try you know, Whatever. Um, <laughs> but w there's something to the eggs, lots of good healthy fats. Um, I've had, you know, people tell my patients that they shouldn't eat eggs because there's too much fat. Mm, I don't think that's your problem to take out eggs. Eggs are the incre most incredible edible egg. They're incredible edible carbohydrate, protein, and fat. If you have healthy fats uh, coming in the diet, I mean, it, when pregnant, and this is just like a you know a Chinese proverb. It they say eat as many eggs as you can afford. Chew on that a second. Hmm. Enjoy that a second. That's I mean I remember one time when my wife. Um, uh, was just in the first you know couple six weeks of pregnancy um, she goes hey I made some deviled eggs I can't wait for you to come home and you know eat them up I get home they're gone and I said what happened to the deviled eggs she goes I ate them I said why didn't you save me one she goes 
I don't know. The baby <laughs> wanted it. And I'm like, okay. You can't argue with you that. You can't argue mm-hmm. with that. And, and, and so then, so you got deviled eggs, you got scrambled eggs, you got sunny side up eggs, over easy eggs. You got, uh, you know, you, you can put that, the bacon with the eggs, the sausage with the eggs. You can get healthy fats um, by cooking the eggs in butter. You can add a little extra olive oil to your eggs after, after you cook them. You, I mean, there's so many wonderful things you can do uh, to make the egg incorporating more um, more frequently into the diet. People laugh at me all the time because I like to put cinnamon and vanilla with my eggs. And they go, ooh, that's gross. I said, but you like French toast? They go, I love French toast. It's the best thing since sliced bread. And I'm like, yes. Ex- it, the, the bread uh, in excess and or enriched or, you know, that processed wheat, uh, uh, refined flours that they use can kill you. The egg will not. Although people, you know, want to make that thing that, you know, eggs cause high cholesterol and and then the fat in the eggs can, you know, clog up your arteries. And that's that's a myth. Here's a question that came in and it says real eggs, right? I know a lot of places have fake eggs if they want to go out. And I've always wondered about that. Like whenever you go to like a breakfast place and you get scrambled eggs. I remember going to seminars and I would feel great waking up in the morning got a good night's sleep at you know whoever's house we were bunking at or whatever hotel room we stayed in and then we go downstairs and we get their you know little continental mm-hmm. breakfast and I and I would always notice I'd be bloated and gassy during the seminar and a little bit sleepy I'd go to a breakfast place and I would feel bloated and gassy and a little bit of sleepy well, you know during the early you know t- 9 to 11 o'clock hours of the seminar and and you don't go to a seminar to far, fall asleep at least not the, the kind I was going to I enjoy seminars I enjoy the learning and so being sleepy in the morning time when I'm in my prime anyway I have to ask the question what did I eat or what did I potentially do that would wore myself out and I discovered just what you discovered is that they're fake eggs. And if they're, you know, eggs out of a carton, eggs that have been, you know, processed um, and, and kind of stored away uh, as as egg beaters or something like that. Uh, I mean, th- there could be some nutrients you can get from it. You know, the protein and the egg whites for whatever. Uh, a lot of the, the, the bodybuilder guys that are trying to starve the body of fat um, and get their own bias to burn that fat their own reserves of fat but for for pregnancy fat is a a critical point and so yeah you want brown vegetarian fed cage-free organic hens you want to buy local anytime you can you want to make sure that they're not you know dropping a bunch of hormones in the eggs that you're buying these are obviously the ones that you have access to that you can Mm -hmm. bring into your home but whenever we look at eggs at a restaurant what i have learned is I will ask for sunny side up eggs or over medium eggs because at least at that point I know they have to crack an egg. Now, it might be a commercialized, you know, hormone fed egg, so I still have some problem there, right? But I would notice something when I eat the scrambled eggs, I felt bloated and gassy and tired. When I ate the, you know, the egg that they brought me that was sunny side up or over medium, I didn't get that same crash. My body was able to leverage that so I could totally tell a difference. And I would also ask them to, uh, uh, as I, you know, would keep getting healthier and stronger, I started still noticing, though, a little bit of brain fog. It wasn't the extreme drop that I was having before in the seminars. Um, And and, and then I I go, you know what, I'm going to change it up again on them again. I'm going to ask for poached eggs eggs because poached eggs are typically in what water and and so they're cooked in water they're not cooked in oil, oil. now 
Oh, but I thought you said the fat was good for you, Dr. Chapa. I said, ah, yes, I did. The egg is the incredible edible egg, and it has the perfect balance of proteins, fats, and, and carbohydrate. But when you take a bad oil, a soybean oil, a canola oil, a highly rancid processed uh, vegetable oil, and you squirt that stuff all over the skillet like they do with the little chef omelet table, and it looks really cool, and it tastes really good. But the problem is, is that oil can bog down your liver, your lymphatic system, which can then create a sluggishness in the way the body is working through that digestive process. The liver's having to work overtime. A lot of blood stays down in the gut, and then lack of blood flow to the brain means brain dead, brain, brain fog, brain fatigue. Can't remember names, numbers, or words. Can't focus. Can't concentrate. Get a little bit hyperactive, a little bit ADD, ADHD. Where are we going to go from here, right? So the brain starts misfiring whenever we start having these bad oils uh, being put in our diet. So me putting, making them poach my egg all of a sudden changed the game again. And so then I noticed that I was really just fine. I could totally, yeah. and, and I, had, I didn't have the same issue that I was having before. And I would eat um, basically a, you know, two tomato slices and, um, and two or three poached eggs, and I was good as gold. That's kind of like you say, what you eat is important, but what you don't eat is more important. That's right. Taking that oil out it makes a difference. Made, made a difference, for mm -hmm. sure. And now I'm not, and I, I've met people that have the stomach of a tank. I've met some people that can tolerate you know, different things. So that's breakfast. So then we go, you know, lunch. We know typically um, I would be reaching for vegetables and a meat. A grilled meat of sorts, a you know uh, 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 something that did, wasn't deep fried, something that wasn't put in those bad oils. Number one, and uh, typically number two, if it's grilled, they're not going to be dousing it with marinades and things like that. And then I would always ask for dressings on the side because I never knew, and I might you know dabble and dip a little bit in that dressing, knowing that it probably has some sugar in it, knowing mm -hmm. that it has some partially hydrogenated oil in it. But typically, if I controlled how much I ate of it, I I would recognize that I wouldn't get those afternoon dips. And so and, and so I, I noticed the same you know thing. I had to control the oils and the, the, the sugars in my food at lunchtime in order to make sure I didn't get the one to three dip. And that typically is a, a blood sugar thing if it's po right after a meal, 30, 40 minutes after a meal, and people start getting a little sleepy time. Uh, but we also know that it's an adrenal thing which we're going to talk about in a moment with this pregnancy. So I haven't forgot about our topic. Uh, it's just, but digestion's such a critical piece of it and that we've got to make sure that we're looking at food as medicine. We've got to look at food as fuel. We've got to look at food as the keystone, the place where it all begins. Because if you eat the poor, uh, the poor foods and you have poor food choices, your results are going to be not so good, or shall I say poor. And so if you're out to... You know, expand the fam. If you're out to develop a healthy uh, baby in the in, in utero, if you're out to have a successful uh, post-pregnancy without postpartum, you want to make sure that you're eating these ways. And the same would be for dinner. You want to make sure that you're having a healthy protein, healthy um, you know vegetable. And it doesn't mean that the mom can't indulge in some carbohydrate. It just is how and when we put them. I would typically add you know, a, an Ezekiel-type bread or a gluten-free bread earlier in the day, and I would eat my vegetables and my protein first and then, you know, incorporate that little bit of bread at, towards the end, middle end of the meal in order to buffer that blood sugar spike 
so that I'm not creating the stress on my blood sugar management system, which is a complete you know, digestive uh, faux pas whenever you allow. The, that's why you don't want to eat dessert before your meal. Because if you get that spike in blood sugar, your system is all is now in chaos, and chaos creates high cortisol, and high cortisol levels, you know, shut down the reproduction system because the body feels stress, and so we want to calm that system down, and we don't want to go into a night cycle. So if we had this big, you know, carbohydrate-rich meal um, going into the the nighttime cycle, we might find ourselves not sleeping as deep as we would like, and then when you're not sleeping as deep as you would like, you have another layer of problem whenever it comes to getting pregnant, maintaining a pregnancy, and developing a healthy pregnancy, and having a healthy post-pregnancy for yourself and your family. And so the last thing we want mom to do is to crash and burn at the end, or have trouble during the middle, or struggle maintaining a baby, and or not ever being able to get pregnant. So these are all very frustrating things that people suffer with and go through, and we've got to look at that diet and its consistency over time. Just because you had one good week doesn't constitute everything working out. It typically takes approximately 90 days of good food living, 90 days of good food living to reset the female cycle in, in, in a positive direction. So whenever I take pre, uh, patients that have really irregular periods, irregular cycles, I am confident that if I put them on the, uh, the day they see the menstruation beginning, the bleed cycle beginning in that day one factor, if they would go on a vegetable-only diet, not fruit, vegetables, raw cooked, steamed, grilled, I don't care how they do it, olive oils, uh, healthy avocado oils, avocados, I mean, you know, getting these rich nutrients in. In this case, I take away the, the animal proteins and animal fats because I want to maximize energy to the hormone system, decrease the amount of energy it takes to break down the food, and teaching a person to eat raw, you know, slightly steamed, slightly grilled uh, vegetables, uh, it, it takes stress off digestion. By taking stress off digestion, you start to see a um, the body manage the cycle in that five-day window effectively. The second cycle is much more regular within that appropriate window of time, and the cramps are less, the body aches are less, the mood swings are less. And then by the third cycle, they go, oh, 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 I didn't even realize I just had a cycle. Here we go. So and then they shift right back into it. And so they're, you know, the morning of day, uh, you know, sometime in the afternoon, they just shift right into that vegetable only diet. And three cycles, their body is maintaining it approximately takes 90 days to reset the cycle of a female via the diet. That's cool. I mean, I think that's a that's a fair assessment of time, especially if you've spent the last 25, 35 years eating, I don't want to say garbage, but eating processed food and garbage. Here's a question that came in, and it says, what about dessert and food cravings? And, you know, whether someone's pregnant or not, those are things yeah. that happen. Yeah, I mean, for all of us, men, yeah. women, children, uh, the cravings are an indication that your blood sugar stability is off. You, you're not putting enough logs of blood sugar stability in. What is a log of blood sugar stability? That would be protein. That would be fat. Those, uh, you know, fat has zero impact on insulin. Which some people say, you know, carbohydrates are bad and you should eat, never eat carbohydrates. It's really insulin that's the, the problem. When you have excessive amounts of insulin floating around in your 
blood, you have low blood sugar. And when the blood sugar dips below a threshold of on the low side is whenever you get the emergency, I need more sugar to because sugar isn't in and of itself bad. It's the one type of sugar we get into. It's the excessive amounts of sugar we get into. It's the frequency for which we get into. But what happens when I deal with patients that have high level of craving, I know that they have an insulin resistant problem, meaning that they have too much insulin and it's constantly pushing the in the blood and, and it's constantly pushing the blood sugar in the blood uh, down and the body is sensing an energy crisis about to uh, you know come on a rolling blackout the brain to kind of go foggy and the body doesn't really like that so like that patient I was saying earlier that ate the sandwich and then sh uh, and crashed out for an hour and a half I've had a patient that eat as I gave him permission to have hey look you know eat a bite of cake and just just get it over with you know it's not going to hurt you oh i was wrong it crashed them craved they caused caused sugar cravings uh, out of control for 2 weeks before we could get it back under control well there's other factors why i would potentially suggest that I maybe you know I, I instead of recommending the bite of cake i should have just said why don't you just eat the icing off the cake because at least those monosaccharides the body can like say all right well i got a one for one exchange with a carbohydrate a grain uh the actual cakey part the the uh, potato uh, or the noodle the body takes those complex carbohydrates and converts them into a, a ton of sugar it resources and resources and reconverts and has the ability to take that excessive amount of 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 um carbohydrate into tons of little uh, monosaccharides or single unit sugars and it's like it exponentially you know changes the game which creates the craving you will crave more if you eat the grain and the carb as opposed to just eating the straight sh a little bit of sugar off the top in that case now that there's other factors like i said that could be bacterial it could, uh, could be uh, parasitic and fungal uh, yeast overgrowth that will create cravings and and so all the more reason we've got to start you know looking at diet as food as medicine but that's where the clinical nutrition comes in that's where we come in along your side and help you navigate all right which herbs do we need to give to the pancreas to regulate the beta cells? Things like gymnema. Um, we use a product that's got high levels of chromium or zinc um, in order to maximize pancreatic function and blood sugar function uh, and craving management. Uh, th this is a very powerful tool. We come in and support the adrenal glands and, and help the adrenal glands manage the blood sugar because that's what they one of their jobs, many jobs. And, and if we can get a stronger adrenal system, you will crave less. We then look at your diet and show you circle, highlight, make note of what foods are driving that sugar craving and then we start saying all right let's see if we can replace this food with this let's put a protein let's put a fat let's put you know uh, th things that don't spark that spike that insulin don't spike that sugar insulin crash and then all of a sudden we start to see the cravings begin to melt away and and that it comes through healthy logs on a fire uh, or that blood sugar stability factor the protein and fat so i might have patients go on a keto diet i might patient have patients you know go on a, a very limited carbohydrate intake diet but a lot of times I might just start somebody at eating a healthy breakfast and then a shake mid-morning and mid-afternoon. Those three things, and whatever they do for lunch and dinner, I work with, right? Because it's hard sometimes for people to make some of these dietary shifts, isn't it?
Yeah. And so I try to make the gradient low enough where they can actually navigate where their health is going while the engine's running, like while life is happening, while the anniversaries are coming and the summer's coming and the parties are coming and the life events that they don't want to, you know, not partake in or participate in. Hey, you ate, you know, there's a party on Friday and Saturday. Well, let's make sure that we eat perfect Monday through Thursday. You know, mm-hmm. and then if you eat the food, uh, those meals, it's one meal on Friday and one meal on Saturday. It's not all day Friday. It's not all day Saturday. And then it, you can come right on Monday morning and start what we call a uh, intestinal cleanse number two protocol where we r- clean up the house. Well, you know, if you had a party at your house, would you clean it up, Gardy? Yes. Yes, because you don't want your, your wife to, you know, lay the smack down on you and, and say, you know, uh, you think you're good in the ring, but let me show you a <laughs> thing or two for not, you know, taking care of business and cleaning this house. Right. And so it, why wouldn't we take the same responsibility and clean our own house? Why wouldn't we clean up our digestion, Digestion, especially when they say it has the square footage of a tennis court? I mean, shoulder to shoulder, how many of us that are listening could, could shoulder up onto a tennis court? A bunch, mm-hmm. right? Well, if there's that many of us that can shoulder up on a tennis court and that m- amount of square footage and surface area is what is in your digestive tract, that's a lot of absorption of square footage. And if you're caked up, gummed up, clogged up, or leaky, and you've got holes and perforations in that gut lining, I mean, that's a lot of work for your body to have to manage. It's a lot of stepping over debris and kids' toys and, you know, rolly things and dog stuff (laughs) that we have to navigate right so we've got to make sure that we get in there that day or two after the party and clean the house and so that brings us back let's talk a little bit we talked enough i think about digestion because i could just keep talking uh because it's such a powerful thing unless we have another question no not right now all right so we we Cravings, we're going to come at it multiple ways in order to help you navigate that craving. But when it look, when we look at fertility, and this can be a multi-segment you know, uh, talk that we do, we look at the next most important thing that we have to address because we're, we're trying to control what we can. And we want to uh, manage stress through the endocrine system. Everybody say endocrine system. Endocrine system. Yes, I heard everybody echoing, echoing endocrine, (laughs) endocrine system in the background. And when we look at the endocrine system, that's my, my, we, let's translate that into hormonal system. Let's talk about that as the HPA axis. The hypothalamus, I don't know why they call it an HPA axis, because I'm about to tell you a bunch of other cool things. Hypothalamus, pituitary, thyroid, adrenal, ovarian axis when the that hormonal chain that hormonal system is not working well you're going to find irregularities in cycles you're going to find irregularities in um, missing those ovulation moments or having really rough patches where the body doesn't fully complete a cycle. Um, It doesn't completely clean up the uterine lining at time of cycle. And these are all things that set the woman up to have, um, you know, inabilities to get pregnant or to maintain healthy, you know, pregnancy uh, at the time of conception. And so we want to make sure that the endocrine axis is potent, is strong, is mighty, is vibrant. And so we want to feed the hypothalamus, pituitary, thyroid, adrenals, and ovaries. We want to make sure the feedback loops from the 
adrenals to ovaries and the ovaries back up to the hypothalamus are in check because they're what are they checking? They're checking sex hormones. They're checking progesterone levels, estrogen levels, testosterone levels, and making sure that the, the, the woman during that second phase has got a high progesterone curve. And that first phase, low to high uh, you know, estrogen spike that will then trigger off the hypothalamus to release the luteinizing hormone and, and, and to get the ovaries to engage and release those eggs. So it's this big, complex chain of events. It makes me think of those videos where, you know, some guy shoots a bow and arrow, hits a bowling ball, and the bowling ball, you know, goes, it starts this chain of a chain reaction that goes through, you know, five minutes of an obstacle course to, you know, knock a ping pong ball into a, you know, into the bottom of a tin cup or something. Down the stairs. Those yeah. are fun. I yeah. love those. And they're fascinating. Yeah. And, and, but that's the hormonal system. The hormonal system isn't like the electrical system, the nervous system, where we flip a switch and just things turn on and things turn off. The hormonal system is a chain of events that drives and, 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 and creates function. So feeding the endocrine system from the pituitary level, the hypothalamus level pituitary, which those are high, high, high in the brain, and the thyroid system, and then feeding that down into the adrenal system, then that regulates into the ovarian sex hormone system, we start seeing what we're after when that system is vibrant and potent. And we can control that. We can feed into that. We can use herbs to manage that. We can find mineral repletion notes that can help the adrenals do what they're supposed to do so that the adrenal glands are managing stress and helping the ovaries manage sex hormones. And so whenever a patient has infertility, um, we don't always start with blood work unless we know they've got like a really long history of and and but oftentimes we still don't see what we want to see in that blood work and so that can be frustrating for patients so we like adrenal test saliva test we like to look at um a a a, a sex hormone panel where we're taking two measurements um, to evaluate the, the the sex hormone curves and the uh, and, and so we can see are we getting the healthy estrogen spikes the healthy progesterone spikes are we seeing you know you know that the cycle is actually doing what it's supposed to in some cases we track it very you know uh, every couple three days in order to make make sure that we're seeing every phase of curve action, and we're just taking uh, you know court, uh, uh, saliva studies and uh, to evaluate what's going on at these different times, and we can see a lot of really neat things with the sex hormones, uh, sex hormone binding globulins. You know what the cortisol curve is doing, the the stress management system, as well as the estrogen progesterone, as well as the testosterone, and we want to make sure and maximize those curves because that's what creates a healthy balance. That healthy balance it creates the function that we're after, and that function leads to the result we want. And so ultimately, when you know when it comes to pregnancy, we've got to be willing to feed the endocrine system, whether we're conceiving, whether we're uh, you know getting through the first trimester uh, after conception, after if it is maintaining and efficiently maximizing the second and third trimester, so that we don't find ourselves postpartum depressed, and and having postpartum trouble. Because the last thing a mom wants is to be tired, fatigued, and run down and beat up post-pregnancy whenever she's got this beautiful little baby she's supposed to be excited about. That's when you need the most energy. 
That's right. Yeah. But what happens is uh, it, because modern medicine doesn't talk to the endocrine axis the way I'm talking to it in, in helping the parent, uh, the mom feed their endocrine system during pregnancy, they get to the end of their you know, metabolic rope, if you will. They didn't, they, they didn't really change their diet enough to uh, keep blood sugar stable. So there was a la layer of stress all throughout the pregnancy. In some respects, I mean, there was excessive amounts of weight, gestational diabetes. There was definitely some struggle and trial, you know, going through the process, but they made it. Oh, thank God they made it. But now the, they, they, what they don't realize and what they're not being told is that they, the mom, has been mooching, robbing, baby's adrenal glands post, uh, I mean, during the pregnancy. And so mom felt relatively okay during pregnancy, but now that the baby has come out, uh-oh, now that the cord has been cut, rut row, there's no now no more ability to mooch on those baby's adrenal glands. And guess what happens? Mom goes, <laughs> crash, burn. And postpartum sets in. They're tired, fatigued, depressed, agitated, irritated. They they can't you know produce healthy uh, milk supply. They that hurts hurts their um, their body, uh, their mindset all the more. They feel shame and guilt and condemnation and all the other things that moms put themselves through. Which you know we don't want you to moms to feel mommy guilt. We know it's real. But we want you to know that we can help you navigate some of those things if we can support the endocrine axis. The endocrine axis, the hypothalamus and, and the pituitary, those two guys regulate the start, the chain of events of your metabolic chain and making sure that all the hormones, whether stress management hormones or sex hormones, are being uh, managed according to the body's tissues uh, and, and, and their tissues and their need uh, and uptake. You know, so it's one thing to get a hormone produced. It's another uh, to deliver a hormone to the tissue. And it's a, yet another task and another desire for the cells to actually know what to do once that delivery shows up. I mean, if, you know, if, if we keep receiving packages on the front porch at the rate, you know, we're all seeing them show up, in the night or in the day or whenever they magically appear then and we never bring them into the house well we miss something right and so that's the story is it's not just producing them it's not just delivering them it's the uptake it's the cells have to make sure that they are healthy enough to see oh a delivery showed up and then take that substance in and do something with it Okay, again, the metabolic system, the hormonal system, the endocrine system, the HPA axis system is not like a light switch that you flip on and flip off. It is literally like a chain of events. This happens, this happens, this happens, this happens, and you get a result. And, and so we have to make sure that all those checks and balances are in place. And that's what we do when we do the clinical nutrition work with our patients is we're looking for either a burden, barrier, something blocking the body from maximizing those processes from manifesting into a healthy way, or we are repleting nutrients that they're lacking. Vitamin A, vitamin D, essential fatty acids, like we talked about earlier, the fats are so important uh, in you know helping healthy hormone production. Too often we've got people being put on statin drugs, statin drugs being low cholesterol drugs, and that they are depleting the female of healthy fats. They are disrupting the body of healthy cholesterol, and that is then sabotaging the production of healthy hormones. 
And so we want to make sure that we have healthy hormones. We got to have healthy fat. Healthy fat. Uh, we need also to have healthy cholesterol. If we don't have healthy fat, healthy cholesterol, we can't make healthy hormones, and therefore we are out of balance. Out of balance leads to the result we do not want. And so I want people to integrate the idea of what they can control. They can control food and drink. They can control uh, the supplementing of the endocrine system, making it stronger and more robust. They can, uh, they can supplement and support the adrenal system, making it more robust, more healthy, more strong, so that when it's faced with a barrier, a burden, that it can more outperform it. Or if it faces a burden or barrier, um, it can recover from it, especially if you allow us to come on alongside you. And that's what we are. We're your health coach at Living Well. We want to get alongside you and help you see un emotionally what you can't see so that you are you know, positioning your chess pieces, strategizing a plan for your family's development and growth and expansion. And this is the part of the, you know, the pregnancy uh, game that we have to continually work on. And so, you know, could, is there a male component to all this? Of course there is. Uh, but we start with, uh, with these first two systems in both male and female is diet, drink, you know, snacking, not snacking, uh, healthy fats, health, looking at those macros, making sure that the nutrients that they take in are dense and rich and full of life and vibrancy so that they have the vim, vigor, and vip in their bodies to perform at the level they need to perform at so that they get the result they're after. And then we support that endocrine system. Again, things we can control. And then we remineralize. We make sure the fats are in place. And then we typically see the result we want at that point. Now, there are times where we see, you know, other burdens, like on the thyroid, it's, made, it's got too many uh, metals or chemicals burdening it. Or we see that the communication from the pituitary down to the thyroid or the thyroid hormone feedback loop to the hypothalamus is off. And so there could be a metabolic glitch. And if there's a metabolic glitch upstream, it helps us know a couple things. There could be a problem with the thyroid, rare, but most of the time it's a burden elsewhere. It's a metal chemical. It's some toxin, something that the body cannot use in order to help the thyroid perform at the level it needs to perform at. And then we go down and we look at another system. Another system in the body that we see, it would be the liver system, the detoxification system, the liver's the giver system, the, the 1,500 different pathways the liver needs in order to perform and function optimally day in and day out. If the liver's congested and bogged down and dirty, guess what? The whole house is. It would be like having... Um, uh, you know, cleaning the fish and throwing him back in a dirty fish bowl. We don't want to do that. We want to clean the fish bowl and put the fish in there, and his little system will filter and clean uh, itself effectively. But if I clean the fish and throw him in a dirty fish bowl, he's now swimming around in dirty funk where he's breathing in, if you will, bad air. And and we on the air topic. I mean, open up your doors, open up your windows. I know it's polleny outside, and it definitely has been a rough allergy season for many people, but we know that the air inside is more toxic than the air outside. And so we want to make sure that we get some of that fresh air coming in, um, even if it is got some pollens. Because again, we got tools for that. If your allergies are out of control, we know that the liver's congested. If you've got skin rashes, or uh, you, we know that the liver's bogged down. We know that digestion is altered. Well, we talked about that on the front end, how important if you want to be in a position 
to conceive, if you want to be in a position to develop uh, a child healthily, if you want to have a healthy overall postpartum experience, you've got to make sure that you're eating right, drinking right, supplementing right, supporting the necessary systems, the endocrine system being a critical one, and making sure that you're doing work with the liver in order to make sure that the toxins that you are being exposed to day in and day out, whether they're infectious toxins, whether they're metal or chemical toxins, whether they are just any type of non-infectious burden that you're being exposed to, the liver's job is to process that stuff out. And so then we would come alongside you and start nourishing, strengthening, and feeding your liver into a detox experience. And then we would then see that taking the, the burden off the liver, the gallbladder, all of a sudden digestion improves, your blood sugar stabilizes, your hormones are more apt to function like they're supposed to. Your, uh, your ability to get rid of excess estrogens and hormones that you're exposed to in your environment, whether you eat it, drink it, or put it on your skin or wash your hair with it, um, you're able to get rid of the excess, what we call um, xenohormones, these fake hormones, these hormones that create disruption in the body as a whole. And, and so these are tools, these, these concepts are, are powerful and effective when it comes to, one, getting pregnant, two, maintaining a pregnancy, three, uh, going the distance with the pregnancy, and four, having a healthy postpartum so that you're, you and your family are just enjoying the gift God has given you through pregnancy and having a, a, child, a new child come into your home. And so um, there is a lot to talk about whenever it comes to pregnancy. But these are some general tips and tools that we like to look at. So we talked about pregnancy and digestion. We talked about uh, the endocrine system, the hypothalamus, pituitary, thyroid, adrenal, ovarian connection to healthy pregnancy. We talked a little bit about liver toxicity and a buildup of excess fake hormones that create a, a estrogen dominance, if you will, and that cause the hormones to be out of balance. When there's out of balance anywhere in the body, the, your body will seek first to survive and before it begins to thrive. And when you're looking at conception, development, and or you know the expansion process, it is a that's a thriving phase of care. And if your body is still in the survival phase of care, we've got to get it healthy enough, strong enough, vibrant enough to get it into the expansive care of phase so that your body is in a position to get that working. And so at Living Well Clinical Nutrition Center, we want to be your number one health and wellness resource. We want to get on your team. We want to help you see what you can't see. We want to uh, stand in the gap with you in you know, prayer and ideas so that you can you know, have the result that you want. You don't have to be perfect to be you know, in the nutrition game. You just got to be willing to do your best. So we talk about you know, this all the time, taking seven steps forward, three steps back, and you're going to you know, still have a net positive return of four. That's good. It might not be what you want, but at least that's a good place to start. And as long as you're moving forward, you're not moving backwards. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So typically they, they would say, John Maxwell, he says, like, when you're on a hill, if you are stopped, you're probably going to start sliding backwards. You don't ever uh, stop when you're going uphill. You just got to keep driving, keep driving, keep pushing, keep moving. One step, one step, keep going, left foot, right foot, make it happen. 
And in the same, so the concept goes, you know, we start with a healthy breakfast. You know, I was really happy and proud to see that before school this morning, all my kids are bright eyed and bushy tailed running around the kitchen, like little banshees making their lunches. And they are, Dash had already eaten his eggs. He had made some eggs for his sister. The other two kids had egg bites. I mean, they were eating healthy protein, fat, you know, meals. They're going to have a better morning at school this morning and, and setting themselves up for a good lunch and then a healthy afternoon. I mean, they and they still eat junk food. They they absolutely do. They're not perfect by any means. And I got a little one that loves to like you know um, skip out on her eggs and go eat, would, would rather wait for a health you know a healthier you know still sugary snack right. And we have to like go no 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 we got to teach the youth uh, once we have them on the backside of the pregnancy and development phase into the life phase. Now we got to start showing them the difference between real food, make-believe food, sometimes foods, and all-the-time foods, so that they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the things they put in their body more often are things that are going to build them up, things that are going to lift them up, things that are going to help their body perform all the days of their life well, and they don't burn out those carb points by 25 or 20. Some of these kids I, I watch, they, they, they eat so many carbs, I'm thinking, good gravy. You know, what are we going to do with that one? You know, and, and, and it's sometimes difficult. That's where we got to get the whole family involved. So we want to be your number one health and wellness resource for you and your family at Living Well Clinical Nutrition Center. And so today we've been talking about pregnancy. We've been talking about having a healthy pregnancy, having a healthy conception, um, expansion process, postpartum, so that your bodies perform like they're supposed to. And it's just a blessing to be on your team. We at Living Well want, again, to help you see that all life starts and stops at the cellular level and nutrition is the fundamental backbone to help you drive your health onward, upward, goodward, and Godward. So without further ado, I look forward to seeing all of you guys next week on the show. I know, like I say, I look for, I, I must do a lot of see learning, you know, like I see, I see, see people act and that's how I learn. Um, but Gary, they have options here. How can they hear our show other ways? So if you are a fan of podcasts, and if you're not, you should be, you can go search it's Living Well. the way well. of the world. It is, yeah. You can gain so much more information and go back and review everything that we talk about here with Dr. Chapa. And these are archived for the past couple years. Search Living Well Clinical Nutrition Center. You can search Dr. Aaron Chapa on Spotify. You can also search that on Apple Podcasts. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts from, and you can subscribe. They will be uploaded on Tuesdays right after we get done. I, I get to work on that and make sure we get it out, and your phone will notify you if you have notif notifications on, and you can go back and listen and, and learn, like, what was that that he said? That's right. And then, uh, Or you can share it with a friend, you text it to a friend. You can slow it down. You can speed it up. Mm -hmm. Some people like to like hear me in like the little... Uh, the high pitch chipmunk. voice, chipmunk, chipmunk voices. Voice. Yeah. Some people want to slow me down so that I can, <laughs> so they can hear me better. Uh, so whatever your style, whatever your flavor, uh, definitely leverage the you know the the, the, the social media platforms of the day and uh, maximize this information into your life because it can change it.